I certainly know the team inside and out. So the, you know, the biggest thing is just getting our guys ready to go and understand that we're going to be playing in a, you know, hostile environment. And, and you know, I think that overrides any personal, you know, feelings or whatever that I would have. Sports Podcast. I am your host, David Graff. Joined alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Munoz. We've got a phenomenal episode today. It's truly, it's truly spectacular. It's one of a kind. Very excited to share this one with you guys. We've got Coulter Nuanes from Skyline Sports MT and ESPN Missoula. He does an unbelievable job covering Montana State football to come on. He He's coming on. He's going to talk to us about the Bobcats heading into this first week of college football for the University of Wyoming. So really enjoyed talking to him. He runs down the full legend that is Troy Anderson of the Montana State Bobcats. Sounds like he's just going to be a linebacker this year. He's just going to be a linebacker under Coach Vegan. We also... Speaking of Coach Vegan, have Coach Vegan on the podcast. I was in Bozeman for my Labor Day weekend. Yes, Labor Day. I know it's not Labor Day weekend, but it was my Labor Day weekend last weekend due to how my work schedule is. So I went up to Bozeman to uh, just hang out and had the opportunity to talk one-on-one with Coach Vegan for a few minutes. So we've got him on the podcast as well. We'll share that interview as well. And then Robert and I are going to talk, obviously, UW football, and then maybe wrap up the podcast here with a couple thoughts from East Thunder Basin. Robert was in the building when Thunder Basin, what is it when you get rid of a ghost? Like, what do you call that? I'm not, I'm not smelling what you're stepping in. I mean, they've, it's no longer, Oki Blanchard is no longer haunted for Thunder Basin. Yep, I was wrong. I believed, I believed the curse would, uh, I mean, stay strong. I believe in that stuff still. That didn't take away from my belief. I still believe in stuff like that. At least for now. But of course, first, Robert, how's it going? It's going well, Mr. David Graff. You know, today was a big day. Sports have been legalized. Sports gambling has been legalized in the state of Wyoming. It's a pretty big day. I mean, I think it's it's kind of gone on under the radar a little bit. Um, a little bit? I think it kind of has. I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, I think it kind of snuck up on us. It definitely did. It, it's kind of weird that it was on a Wednesday. If that feels like yeah, a Friday just, type thing. And it's just in, I mean, everything, it's football. It's the start of football. And I think it's getting a little overshadowed by that. So it's pr- pretty big news. It's a yeah, good day is what I'm saying. It's a good day. It's definitely, it's big news and good timing, right in time for college football's first full weekend of football. Obviously, there were a few games last weekend during week zero. Hawaii got their pants pulled down by UCLA. 
San Jose State massacred Southern Utah. I feel like Fresno State played somebody. Fresno State defeated UConn 45 to nothing. And now we could talk about sports gambling. Uh, that should have seemed like an easy pick against the spread. I think it was a four-touchdown favorite in the way of Fresno State. I must have been busy on Saturday morning. I'm not sure why I didn't look at that one more closely. I I just I wasn't that interested in gambling on a Fresno State game. I think that's what it boiled down to for myself. Didn't want to have to watch UConn play football. Let's talk a little bit about the University of Wyoming football game heading into this weekend. They take on Montana State and old friend Brent Vegan now at the helm of the Bobcats. We talked to Coulter earlier this morning. So has that changed any of your thoughts heading into this game on Saturday, Robert? Um, no, uh, not really. But, um, you know, he talked about a lot of the returning players and kind of seems like they're still going to have some some consistency even under the new head coach. So I think it's going to be maybe a little bit closer than people are anticipating. And he obviously knows the team really well. He talked a lot about that um, physicality and Wyoming might be shocked by how physical Montana State is. So I'm pretty interested to see that now that he said that. I think that's going to be a nice little uh, tidbit to watch for. Yeah, I think it'll be an interesting game. It's certainly going to be – it's going to be similar styles of football, obviously, because of the coaching staffs. And there are so many connections to one another. There are just an unbelievable number of guys on the Montana State staff who either have University of Wyoming or North Dakota State ties. Probably expected, given that Coach Bo likes to – hire guys that he's very familiar with so you'd think Brent Vegan would maybe follow the same pattern in terms of filling out his coaching staff and it looks like he has in Bozeman the line on the game is minus 18 and the over under is 45 give or take a half on both of those that sounds about right in terms of I think Wyoming should manhandle Montana State, they should be may be able to out physical them, but I don't know if it's going to be the runaway freight train that maybe people are expecting. Montana State's a good football team. It's a good football team, and it's a team that hasn't played in a long, long time. A long, long time. Long time. Last time there was a game like this for Montana State. I was very confident for them going up against North Dakota State, their last official football game. And they looked good early, and then they got run through. So it should be interesting in terms of what the Bobcats bring to the table against the Cowboys. I think that it will also be interesting seeing what Coach Polisek's offense looks like for real in a meaningful game. should be fun to watch. Should be a great time in Laramie. Should be a good Saturday, hopefully decent weather. You never know, of course, in Wyoming. 
Yeah, it's going to be hopefully a nice day for you. You're going to be working out there, right, David? You're going to be cutting, be getting some, getting some video, getting some Xavier uh, Valade touchdowns there. Definitely getting cardio. No promises on on the what video. Maybe we'll see Coach Polisek airing it out, and there'll be a bunch of receiving touchdowns for guys. But I'm sure we'll see Xavier Valade have his impact. As I predicted once upon a time on this podcast that he would run for 2,000 yards in the 2020 season, I could still see that maybe for this year, but I'm not going to go out on that big of a limb. Well, you might you might not uh, stick to your original thought on that, but let's get something interesting here. Who do you think will score the first touchdown of – the season for Wyoming. First touchdown of the season. I'm going rushing touchdown from Sean Chambers. I nice. That would be a little poetic, huh? I think it, it, the poetry writes itself. I feel like it's after not a three and out from Montana State, but Montana State gets like one first down and then they punt. And then with about nine and a half, ten minutes left in the first quarter, Sean Chambers runs one in. It just feels I'm feeling it on Saturday. I feel like Sean Chambers is going to be running wild. Yeah, with all the, I mean, you know, all eyes on number six, that might be the case. I'm going to go with Trayton Welch, first touchdown of the season. All right. For the folks. Why do you say Welch? I just have a feeling he's going to catch one up the seam. Some play action. Something, something, something. Something just, it's in the gut. Sometimes you just got to go with your gut. Maybe it's in the heart. I don't know which it is, but either one. Polisek has been hyping up the tight ends, how he wants to use them more than they were previously used in the offense. He also wants to pass the ball more, which is why I kind of think that Sean Chambers is going to be inadvertently running some. Let's go with another poke question here. First turnover of the season by the defense. Will they pick up a fumble or will they grab an interception? I'm going with that no fly zone um, back there. And... I don't know who to choose. I'm just going to say interception. I'm not picking a player. I'm just rolling with interception. Uh, I'm not picking a player either, but I like I like where your head's at. I'm going to interception as well. I feel like the defense will get a little pressure on Montana State's Matt, on Montana State's Matt McKay and maybe force, force up a duck that the no-fly zone comes down with. All right, let's wrap it up before we get to Coulter with predictions for the game final score i'm gonna predict the cowboys win 31 to 14 basically right where vegas thinks this game is gonna land as well i think that it might be a little tight early after the pokes go up 7-0 and montana state is gonna have a little bounce in their step but i think that after that the the pokes will get it going they'll be able to ride some momentum and use 
big plays of the defense and just running the ball and out physical Montana State. What say you, Robert? I'm going to have to kind of agree with you. Um, yeah, because Coulter talked about uh, how the Pugs O-line could just kind of wear down the Bobcats defensive line. And yeah, uh, I'll have to agree. I could see that. I'm not going to try and disagree with you and be right. That seems logical at this point. But um, do you think we can see some more uh, success in the passing game there? Like I just called the Trayton Welch first touchdown of the season. All what right. are the odds on that? Plus, plus 3,500? Minimum. Minimum. That one's out of left field. I don't know if you can get odds on Trayton Welch first TD scorer of the game. He's in the field, probably. Yeah, he's he's with the field category. Maybe not, though. Maybe not. Well, we won't delay any longer. We'll get to Culture Nuanez here. He, he covers Montana State. He covers the University of Montana as well. Does phenomenal job covering the Bobcats. I don't know anyone who is as tuned in to this program and what they do and everything that's going on just all the time in Bozeman as Coulter is. So we'll throw it to him right now. All right, we are thrilled to be joined now by Skyline Sports MT and ESPN Missoula's Coulter Nuanas, an oldie but a goodie friend of mine. Coulter, how's it going? Hey, good, man. Thanks for having me. Nice to see you again, man. And uh, nice to meet you, Robert. So thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, well, if we're going to talk Montana State, there's no one better than Coulter to have on the podcast. This guy's tuned into Bozeman better than anybody I can think of, honestly. And that's that's coming from the time that I spent together with Coulter. So I'll just jump right into it here. Montana State hasn't played a game in almost two years. So how has this team changed over that two-year period? I would actually say one of the most um, ironic and maybe undertold stories of this last little while is that when you talk about a, a COVID year, and then the departure of a head coach who was uh, by and large so well-liked in Jeff Choate, you'd expect a massive exodus from the program, right? They actually lost way less players than they usually would during a normal offseason of Jeff Choate. During the four offseasons of Jeff Choate, they had lost no less than 28 players per offseason. Part of that's because Choate is a recruiting machine, uh, but also uh, addicted to recruiting. Like He out-recruits his roster at all times, and then just cuts guys during spring. And so they've only actually lost like 10 guys that they were expecting to be back. And so because of that, they have sort of this uh, dichotomy of a roster where they have this all these super, super-duper seniors that are in their like fifth, sixth, or seventh years. And then all these freshmen that are in one of three categories of freshmen, whether they're really redshirt freshmen or like COVID-year redshirt freshmen or – uh, true freshmen who've been on campus for two years or true freshmen that just got to campus. Uh, so it's a sort of a, uh, a weird roster, but it's going to be an interesting deal to see how they perform because uh, I've said this a lot on my radio show already and on uh, our podcast. To me, judgment day for the transition under Brett Beacon comes for Montana State next year. I think the fact that they had so much time off 
and the players just kind of knew that it was going to be about them, that they kind of honed in this, this uh, idea that it's us against the world. And I don't, I think the coaches will have some influence on it really, but I think that these guys, you know, like Troy Anderson, he's trying to play for Troy Anderson. He's trying to play for the Bobcats. And so, uh, well, I know we're getting into the personnel and all that, but I do think that this Montana state team, even though they've had a lot of tumult over the last couple of years with now participating in the spring season and losing the head coach, I still think that, uh, uh, they're locked and loaded because I think that the, the culture has been established and they are uh, definitely a player-run program, very akin to, I think, what Craig Bull had at NDSU and, and at Wyoming. We'll definitely get into Troy Anderson here coming up, but that sounds a lot like Wyoming in terms of a ton of guys who are super seniors and then young guys who may just be young young guys in name only. But I want to ask about Brent Vegan. He's been a figure here in Laramie for a long time. So how, how do you think he's adjusted to being the head coach in Bozeman so far? Well, uh, talk about a tough situation to take over when it comes to the, the public portion of it. Um, I mean, David, you know, you were around when, when Choate was there. Um, he might be the greatest coach in the history of media. Like he's just, he is just so entertaining. Like, Half the time you're wondering if he's just full of it, uh, but he's, he just, he comes locked and loaded, prepared with just unbelievably entertaining uh, sound bites for everything. And he, he's just, I swear, he just must stay up until three in the morning thinking about a new one-liner every time. So, you know, to come in when people are used to that, when your public perception is from your radio hits and your TV spots and your press conferences, you know, everybody around here was like, well, who's vegan? This guy's boring. This guy isn't chote. But that doesn't necessarily actually win you football games. It wins you one football game every year in Montana against the Grizzlies, and that's what Choate did so well. Uh, but other than that, I mean, Choate was a 28-25 and 25 coach with four D2 wins. So, I mean, he's an under 500 coach. He won in the playoffs a couple times. But, you know, on the on-the-field performance is not that hard to replace. Honestly, it's the personality and, you know, sort of the – I mean, he gave Montana State this swagger and this, you know, we're not going to be bullied by the Grizzlies. We are the big brother. They're the little brother. And he was the first guy to really do that at Montana State since Sonny Holland back in the 70s. So um, tough for Vegan to fill those shoes. But it's funny because for everything Vegan lacks in entertaining sound bites or, you know, um, the way that he can ignite a fan base, when I watch them practice, they just seem so much more functional. I mean, they just, they're running real offensive plays instead of just running, you know, the spread option, triple option, whatever the hell they were running under Choate. And, uh, you know, I, I actually kind of appreciate Deegan's calm demeanor. He's not really a hype man. You know, he's not really getting out over his skis. He's never going to say really any, anything that he regrets. So it's not as entertaining for sure, but uh, he seems very tempered. And he's, I mean, it's knowing Craig Bowl a little bit, uh, when you look at Brent Vegan and you listen to Brent Vegan, it's really, to me, the fact that he spent 18 years on Bulls staff, it, it's exactly what you'd expect a guy like that to be like. He, he just he seems very much like a Craig Bull disciple. You talked about that uh, kind of mentality, um, us against the world. Is, is that kind of the vibe you're getting from the team heading into the season, heading into Saturday here? Yeah, I think that they have, they have that rare combination where their best – leaders are also their most experienced guys and are also their most talented players. And so when you got guys that are your, your, your best leaders that also can do it on the field and also it's kind of like their last rodeo, I think that gives you a real shot. And uh, yeah, I think that they've had to wait so long. 
I mean, even the Grizzlies got a couple spring games in. Montana State has just been waiting forever, just grinding it out in the weight room, waiting for their chance to, to sort of uh, try to capitalize on what was one of the best runs in school history all the way to the Final Four back in 2019. So um, I, I do think that the fact that they have some of these older guys like Troy Anderson and Lewis Kidd, Taylor Tuyas and Sopo on the offensive line, uh, Madre Williams, Chase Benson. Uh, these guys have just been around Bozeman forever, and I think that they understand it's their last shot, and they understand uh, sort of the potential this team has from a talent perspective. So um, it, it seems as if those guys are, are pretty driven and, and hungry and ready for this season to begin. You talk about Vegan a lot, stepping into these shoes. How high really are the expectations for this guy coming into this program and what you said, one of, one of the great, greatest runs um, in MSU program history? Yeah, that's why I think the judgment day comes next year for the Bobcats because I just really don't know how they really screw this thing up, man. I mean, they have a tough schedule. They have probably, in my estimation, the toughest schedule of any of the contenders in the Big Sky Conference. They got to play out the, on the road in, at Weber State and in Eastern Washington and, and at Montana. Uh, but they have among the best depth in the FCS of running back. They have one of the best offensive lines in the country. And they have one of the best front sevens in the country, led by the guy in Troy Anderson, who might be the most talented player in the FCS. And so um, I just think it would take a full calamity for them to, to not at least be decent uh, this year. Uh, but the expectations are to, to make another run at it, man. I think the expectations are to beat the Grizz, which I know Montana's going to have a lot to say about that. And the expectations are to be competitive in every single game that they play this year, including this opener Saturday in Laramie. All right. So you mentioned Troy Anderson again. Uh, we can't wait any longer. You got to try to explain both <laughs> Troy Anderson, just his dominance as a player and what is his, what is his role exactly on a football team? He's just truly in, incredible to watch. It's almost impossible. Uh, when Montana State's new defensive coordinator, Freddie Banks, got hired, the very first time I interviewed him, uh, I was – ask him about Troy Anderson and he's like okay so you gotta explain this to me he's like let me get this straight he's like I was going through the record books he's like this dude was a unanimous first team all league quarterback I was like yes and he's like how did that happen <laughs> and I was trying to explain to him so this guy is from small town Dillon Montana which for uh a lot, I think probably a lot of your listeners know Dillon but if they don't Dillon's you know a 5,000 person cowboy town in southwest Montana and uh, they have great football tradition. They've had one of the best high school football programs in the state of Montana. And Troy Anderson is like this mythical Paul Bunyan-esque creature who's come out of there. He is one of the great winners in Montana high school history. Um, he played in the state championship in football and basketball all four years of his high school career. He also was a three-time state champion in the 100 meters and the 200 meters. Uh, I think he won three out of those four state basketball championships and three out of four of the state football championships. So the guy has... 10, 11 state championships to his name when he comes to Montana State. Uh, he comes in as a guy who played every position on the field uh, in high school, and he was supposed to play outside linebacker. And the first moment Jeff Choate saw him run, they said he thought, well, we got to get that guy the ball. So they played him at running back the first part of his freshman year, but then they needed some help on the edge. So then all of a sudden he became the starting outside linebacker as a true freshman. So he's going both ways, and he wins freshman of the year. And then uh, coming into his sophomore year, Chris Murray, their former quarterback at MSU, gets declared academically ineligible. And they knew that they wanted Troy Anderson to be running their player-run practices. So they said, Troy, 
just play some quarterback this summer so you can get everybody all lined up and, and we'll figure it out during fall camp. Well, he did so well, he ended up beating out the two guys who were supposed to be the quarterback. And Montana State decided to basically run the 21st century version of the wing tee. <laughs> and they and Troy Anderson, I'd never seen anything like it, man. I mean, he rushed for 1,500 yards and 21 touchdowns without having any idea what he was doing. He had 13 runs of more than 55 yards in a single season. Uh, he was a unanimous first-team All-American as a guy who literally couldn't even throw the ball playing quarterback, just, just running quarterback power down people's throats. It was one of the craziest things I've ever watched. And then he comes into his junior year, and they realize, well, okay, this guy, he's an NFL-caliber talent. Maybe we should start playing him at the position he might play in the NFL. So they play him at outside linebacker, and he goes out as a unanimous first-team all-league selection, despite only playing halftime because he was still playing a bunch of offense. He had 10 more rushing touchdowns as a junior, so he's going both ways. I mean, it's just a completely insane story. But then the guy comes out, he gets hurt down the stretch of his uh, junior year, and he doesn't play during the playoff run. And Montana State somehow still keeps winning, and they win against the Grizzlies. They win in three playoff games. And and uh, so then Troy basically got misdiagnosed with the injury he had. He was supposed to go have surgery, but then on the way to the surgery center in Denver, an avalanche closed the highway, so he had to turn around. He ends up having to go to Minneapolis to get this surgery, but because of that, his surgery was delayed. So he had planned on redshirting during the 2020 year, but then the COVID comes around, and so then he gets that year back. And so this is all to say now they're playing him at inside linebacker. He's going to play the position kind of like Chad Mumma plays for Wyoming, where he's kind of just that guy in the middle that makes everything go. And uh, we'll see how he does. But to me, it's been an unbelievable story to watch, an unbelievable uh, saga to cover. I don't think we'll ever see anything like it again. Truly, never again. But um, – I think Troy Anderson will benefit so much from not having the old coaching staff because Choate literally couldn't help himself. It, it, Troy Anderson was like his shiny little rock that he couldn't stop rubbing. He had to put him in all the time. And the kid is so talented that he made it work. But I just think that it, it robbed from his development. I mean, it doesn't matter how big of a freak you are, man. You can't just go both ways in a college football game. But this guy did for two years. So I think the fact that he's just, just going to play defense and he's just going to have – like this one role, uh, I hope at least it, it, it makes his development and his trajectory just go through the roof. You talk a lot about Troy Anderson, uh, obviously. I mean, it seems like I'm excited to watch him play. Um, kind of upset I haven't watched him play after yeah. after that. Um, but who else do you think could pose some problems for uh, the Cowboys on Saturday? Who do you think uh, is going to go out there and make some plays for um, Bobcats? Yeah, that's, that's the thing about Choate, man, because Jeff Choate was at such big uh, FBS programs, so he has such uh, FBS ties. And so Montana State has a ton of FBS caliber players. Like, for people that are wondering, you know, a lot of times I think there's a perception if you're analyzing FCS, like, is that guy just good for the FCS or is that guy truly just, like, really good? I'll tell you this. Troy Anderson is absolutely one of the most talented players in the country, period. I mean, Jeff Choate coached Dante Fowler and uh, Shaq uh, Thompson and – you know, Vita Vea and Choate said that Troy Anderson is the most talented player he's ever coached. I think that if Troy runs well on his pro day, he'll be uh, a top 100 draft pick. I think he's that good, man. Um, but they have a lot of guys that have FBS credentials that uh, that came to Montana State in the last couple of recruiting classes 
under Choate. So uh, a couple guys to watch out for. Amandre Williams, number three. He's an edge player. He was a guy that started at Washington, actually started in games at Washington, uh, but kind of fell out of favor. He was recruited by Choate to Washington. So he came to Montana State. And so he should be a really good player on the defensive front. Number 41, Chase Benson, uh, interior defensive lineman, is a guy that uh, I think is an NFL guy as well. He's an uh, uh, All-American caliber guy. And uh, just a t- typical Montana guy, man, just head down, lunch pail, doesn't say a word, just mean and strong and, and gets after it. Uh, obviously, at the linebacker spot, Troy Anderson's a guy to watch for sure. And then the secondary, uh, Trey Webb, who was an all-Mountain West guy at San Jose State in the fall. I don't really know. No one's really told the story. and He hasn't been made available for interviews yet. I don't know how or why he left San Jose State and came to Montana State because, like, I mean, he was a starter. He was a he was an all Mountain West caliber guy at San Jose State, but he ended up at MSU. So he and Jeffrey Manning, who also was a starter at Oregon State, those are their safety pairs. So they got some FBS guys there uh, in the secondary, and then on offense, I think Lewis Kidd, uh, their left tackle, who he's a thirty-five plus game starter, uh, four-year starter out of Minneapolis. He's a potential NFL guy as well. Taylor Tuiasosopo uh, was an All Big Sky guard as a junior, and so he'll be a, a formidable guy there on the offensive front. Uh, and then Matt McKay is a guy who was a four-star recruit coming out of Raleigh, North Carolina at quarterback, started six games at NC State, and then uh, sort of fell out of favor, not because of performance, but because of uh, Dave Dorn was basically trying to save his job. And uh, so they kind of had this quarterback carousel, and, and McKay got caught in the wash, and he ended up transferring to MSU. He's had to wait his turn. So those are some of the guys that played at FBS programs, but uh, – there's some other talented guys as well. Probably one guy that's a sleeper that nobody knows about that I think is going to be an outstanding guy is Jaden Smith, the big wide receiver out of uh, Dallas, Texas. He's been waiting his turn for a long time, but he's about 6'5", 215, and he runs really well. So as terms of skill guys that will touch the ball, he's definitely one to watch. And then probably the last guy to highlight was, uh, is Isaiah Fonsa. He's their starting tailback and uh, former Gatorade player of the year in the state of Washington. I'm actually not sure how he didn't go to the Pac-12 because, I mean, he's – He's all that, man. I mean, he's big, strong, and fast, and I don't really know what the, the knock was because it wasn't like he was at a small high school either. He was at Bellevue, which is a powerhouse, and so uh, he was definitely one of the great gets of the Choke recruiting era. So, uh, yeah, those are some guys just to watch for MSU. Maybe overthinking it a little bit, but I think that Montana State is personally going to present some challenges for Wyoming just because of all those talented guys that you mentioned. What are your expectations for the Bobcats heading into Saturday? Well, I know that Craig Bull loves to play physical football. I know this Wyoming team is probably expected to be among, if not the most – I mean, right, they're expected to be the most physical team in the Mountain West. Is that correct in my assumption of saying that? I mean, they're, they're really big on the offensive and defensive fronts, right? I mean, they like to hit people. they got a bunch of tight ends and fullbacks. I mean, it just – it looks like NDSU on steroids, right? Line play is important for Coach Bull, certainly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think that – because Bull knows vegan and vegan knows Bull, there's not going to be a lot of uh, unexpected things. But I will think I, I do think that if Wyoming thinks they're going to manhandle Montana State, uh, I think that they'll be surprised with how physical Montana State is. But if they don't, I think this is going to be a slugfest. I mean, I think that the line on this thing at the old runner is like 34 because I think that they, everybody's expecting just like a, a 17 to 16, just punch each other in the face for three hours on Saturday, and that's what I think it's going to be, man. I think. I actually think neither of these coaches are going to take very many risks because they're just going to want to just challenge each other, you know, who's who's tougher. So when you talk about the matchups, I think that uh, 
I actually think Montana State is going to be able to run the ball a little bit because they do have talent on the offensive front and good running backs and, uh, and a mobile quarterback who presents some problems in the, in the zone read game. On the other side, though, I think that the, probably the biggest advantage Wyoming has is although Montana State has good veteran players up front, um, they don't have a lot of mass on the front seven. I guess it's kind of like the front six. It's kind of like what Wyoming's doing now where they're running this 4-2-5. And, uh, I mean, Troy Anderson's a freak of nature. And I just don't know. He's just going to be his first game really playing in the box. And the other de- defensive tackle spot next to Chase Benson, those guys aren't very big. They're all they're, they're going to rely on a bunch of young guys. And so I think that Wyoming's huge offensive line is going to be a huge issue. So, uh, to me, I think that – It'll be a back-and-forth battle, but uh, it, Monta- for Montana State, it's going to come down to do they not just get worn down in the trenches when they're on defense because I think Wyoming is going to run the ball early, early and often. Uh, I think that the, the validate kid for, for Wyoming is, is super impressive. And so uh, can Montana State slow that down? Because I just think that if they can't, Craig Pohl will take great pleasure in just running the ball 65 times and then uh, showing the pupil how the mentor does it. It'll certainly – I can't wait for Saturday. I know you can't wait. It's been almost two years since you've been to an MSU game. So Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and not a spring game for Montana. So definitely looking forward to it. I'll see you on Saturday, Coulter. I know you can follow Coulter at Skyline Sports MT and at Coulter underscore Nuanas on Twitter if you want some more information from Coulter. He's, he's very active on there giving Montana State updates. Anywhere else that people should know where they can connect with you, Coulter? Yeah, you go to skylinesportsmt.com for all of our uh, just print and uh, multimedia coverage. Got a bunch of podcast stuff coming out here today and tomorrow on there. And then uh, also you can go to 1029espn.com if you want to stream uh, our radio show. And we're talking a lot of cowboy stuff as well. Kevin McKinney, longtime uh, associate athletic director from Wyoming, is going to join me on my show today. So you can find that on the Nuanas Now podcast archive door. Uh, you can listen to it live at five today as well on a, on a Wednesday. So I'm uh, looking forward to catching up with Kevin and uh, also looking forward to making my debut at War Memorial Stadium. Man, I've never been down there. I'm excited for this. So I, uh, I'll see you guys on Saturday. We, we look forward to seeing you. Yeah, definitely. Coach Vegan gave Coulter a, uh, a very honest answer about how the environment is for the very first game, at least. So. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Indeed. Well, Appreciate your time, Coulter. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks, guys. So what are the emotions for you heading back to Laramie as an opposing head coach going against Coach Bowl, somebody that, you know, you spent a lot of time on the sideline together? Well, I, I know the first thing is I, I owe a lot of um, gratitude to Coach Bowl for, for all the opportunity and the trust that he gave me. In the 18 years we were together, um, you know, going way back to 2003, I was low man on the totem pole, but fortunate to stay on the staff. And you know, he was um, he was good to me over the years, good to our family, great. I guess I would I should say on both ends. And you know, um, I, th- I think going there, the emotion is I know those guys are going to be ready to go. You know, I, I know how coach prepares a team. And I, I certainly know the team inside and out. So the, you know, the biggest thing is just getting our guys ready to go and understand that we're going to be playing in a, you know, hostile environment. And, and you know, I think that overrides any personal, you know, feelings or whatever that I would have. As a head coach, I mean, this is your first time at the collegiate level, at least being a head coach. 
how do you feel that you're prepared to, you know, lead these guys into a place that you're very familiar with? Uh, you know, I think, you know, as far as being a head coach and, and being able to separate things, I, I do know I, my experience um, coordinating and, and having the responsibility that, that I have had the last dozen years has prepared me in, in some ways for sure. I know seeing Coach Bowl and how he's, you know, handled a whole number of things in, in all our time together has prepared me. But this is this is my own deal now, and I understand that, uh, you know, the the buck stops with me. And, and you know, so I think I get a good sense of, of how a team should should be prepared and how it should look on game day. And it obviously has to play out, but. Uh, you know, feel like all that time um, spent in the roles that I've had, and in particular, you know, learning from coaches, has put me in position to to be ready for this. Uh, it just so happens we go right back there, and I think that's just an interesting twist to it more than anything. Um, you know, and, and I'm anxious for it. I, I know our players are, and it's really what it's most about is our players going down there with uh, the right frame of mind, ready to you know uh, play their very best. What are you most excited about Saturday, just leading this group of young men into their first game in a long time and your first game? Well, I, definitely about those guys. I, you know, I think the, the wave of emotions um, that they went through, and not only in 2020, but then that carried into 2021 is, you know, in some ways unprecedented. There's maybe a few programs that could argue they match what this team went through, but, uh, you know, to get a season, you know, taken away essentially in August um, after really having done a lot of things in the summer to get ready for that. And then to have, um, you know, a season ripped away again in January and then to have a coaching change. Um, they've been through a lot and that, you know, that's all on top of, you know, a, a semifinal run in 19 where, you know, I think they felt like they, they had gotten right right there, and they were. I mean, you're in the semifinals, you're a Final Four team. Um, you know, you're playing at NDSU with a chance to, to go to Frisco. I mean, that they were right they were right there, and I think they felt like 2020 was gonna be their chance to get over the top. So, you know, um, I'm just, I'm so excited for them. I think there's there's guys that have shown a tremendous amount of commitment to this program and, and, and staying here and, and you know, really carrying this team through, really, um, you know, I, I look at January for them, all that went on, um, how we came out on the other side with, uh, with a new, new assembled staff, um, but a team that was very resilient and, and ready to, to hear us out and, 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 you know, make the changes that we wanted to, wanted to make at that time and, and work really hard. And here we are with you know, all of that behind us now with an opportunity to show what we can do, you know, on a, on a tremendous stage. You know, I, I think uh, Saturdays in Laramie in, in September, um, you know, it's, it's what college football is all about, and I know we're, we're all looking forward to it. In my opinion, you've developed quite a legacy in Laramie. I mean, you brought some of the most talented guys at quarterback, but also just gave guys like Brian Hill, Jacob Hollister opportunities to shine on the field. What do you remember most about your time in Laramie? Well, I, I know um, twofold. I think we, you know, we really, uh, as a family, made Laramie our home. Seven years, um, you know, some of our, our best friends forever are, you know, not only Molly and I, but our boys will will be from that time in, in Laramie. Um, 
you know, I think on the on the program side of it, you know, I, I think you look at the the progress we made, the consistency that was gained, um, more so than just the pure games here and there. You know, I I, I think the legacy right now with all those guys that are are playing on Sundays, you know, that that's um, that's something to be said for. Um, identifying guys, developing guys, having a plan, sticking to it, um, you know, and I, I know coaches just, he's done a tremendous job of instilling belief across the state, raising expectations. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, anytime you leave a place, you hope it was better than when he got there. And I know coach hasn't left, I did, and I, I know it was a better place, um, certainly, and, you know, as we left and it was when we got there. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed those interviews with Coach Vegan and Culture Nuanez. Really appreciate each of them and their time. Really appreciate them making themselves available and looking forward to seeing both on Saturday in this game. So looking forward to that. Before we wrap up the pod here, let's go back to last Friday. I was at Riverton, Riverton Powell. Robert was in Cheyenne at the former House of Horrors for Thunder Basin, East Thunder Basin. Talk about a hell of a game. A hell of a game. But And we'll get into that. First, I got a great Riverton story here. Riverton is okay in my book. I know that we've, we've joked at Riverton's expense here on the podcast, but I, I told Robert the last time that I was going to Riverton, that I would go to the Wind River Hotel and Casino and put $20 on black and then regardless of the outcome of the bet would leave with whatever happened. So last time I went to Riverton, it was for an early morning practice. Very, very early. So I stumbled into the Wind River Hotel and Casino at 8.30 in the morning looking around like John Travolta in the, in the GIF and the John Travolta looking around GIF wondering where, yes, wondering where everybody was when it came to the table games. And I was told that table games do not start until the afternoon. So I had to, I had to take my $20 and leave. Then I went last Friday after the Riverton football game, Riverton, Unfortunately, lost 37-7 to for them. It was a tough game. Powell looks pretty good at that 3A level. Got a lot of good running backs. A lot of good running backs, Powell does. But after the game, so after I'd gotten my story in, I, I made my way over to the Wind River Hotel and Casino, and this time the table games were in full swing, 10 p.m., appropriate time to go to the casino. I put... $20. I got $40 in chips because Robert wanted to throw $20 as well. So I put $20 on black and had $20 just in case the first bet lost. And I put $20 on black and the, the guy says no more bets and the ball in the roulette wheel, it's spinning, Doug. It is spinning and it plops right into red. And I'm like, oh, no, red. And then it pops out. It it pops out. 
bounces back up new life and it's starting to like roll across the red and the black i'm like oh my gosh oh my gosh then it starts to settle in the red again and then popped out again hopped right into a black i was i was speechless i didn't even know how to celebrate i was just like what just happened what just happened so i took my 20 dollars now $40, cashed it. I was so excited about cashing that I took the dummy chips. I just started to walk away. I was like, oh my gosh. Then the guy was like, hey man, if uh, you're trying to cash those, I don't think they see very many people put one bet down on the roulette table and then walk away either. So he was probably really caught off guard. (laughs) Cashed it out, got my free Mountain Dew, went back to the car. Gave a little fist pump and a little yell. Told Robert that we were $10 richer. (laughs) Yup. That seems like a... You know, those guys are probably like, look look at this degenerate guy. Degenerate gambler coming in at 8 a.m. He's just looking to get his fix. It was crowded in there at 8 a.m., honestly. No table but thank games. you for uh, for winning me a little bit of cash for uh, me doing nothing. I appreciate it, dude. It was it was an absolute thrill ride, just like the Thunder Basin East game last Friday. You were at that game. I had people that I knew that were also at that game that were texting me in the first half saying, "East State champions, they're they're gonna run away with this thing." And then not so fast, my friend. Thunder Basin came storming back. They pulled off a 39-34 win. I can't call it an upset due to the fact that both teams are pretty evenly matched. But what what did you take away most from that game? I mean, I'm sure it was a roller coaster for you trying to get your story ready. Um, yeah, a little bit. Um you know, talking to those guys after the game, they just said, um, we kind of they they wanted it more for more of the game. East came out and they wanted it more, and then I think they got a little too comfortable. And I guess you just can't get comfortable like that, especially when a team's hungry and it's the first week of the season. And yeah, um, I think it all came down to the trenches. Thunder Basin's a line. I think. Uh, they rushed for about 200 yards in the second half or so. So Thunder Basin's line just kind of stepped up to the challenge and said, hey, it's, it's the same thing that Coach Goff said. Um, I asked him, how, how big was the line factor and the difference? And he said their defensive line, their offensive line, didn't want to get pushed around anymore. So it was that. And, you know, the last – Last uh, last play, the first half, Thunder Basin scored a touchdown besides the kickoff following the touchdown. Um, Thunder Basin scored a touchdown, and, you know, the receiver went up, and it seemed like he wanted the ball more than East, East defenders, and I think that's just how the game played out. After that, Thunder Basin just wanted it a little bit more. 
Well, where where do you think East goes from here? Obviously, they play this week up here in Casper. They've got Natrona County, who looked mighty solid against Central. But what what do you think the cards have in store for that Thunderbird squad? Well, what happened last year? Dropped the first game to the Bolts, and then the rest is history. Who knows? I mean, obviously they're—I shouldn't say obviously, but you know they're going to be the, one of the top teams, top four teams in the state when it's all said and done. I think that's just my opinion. Um, they looked really good offensively, I guess, for the most part. Um, just gave up a couple, couple big plays that really really kind of shifted the momentum of the whole game. Just a couple big plays, and like I said, that play before half was huge. So, I don't think East has anything to sweat, but I know there's some good games up in Casper this week. Um, which games will be going? Are you going to go to Central Kelly Walsh and East Natrona, or are you going to choose one, or... What's it look looking like for you? Well, the plan right now is for me to somehow be at both games. We'll see if that holds up with Burns not playing and no games being played in Southeast Wyoming, no high school football games being played in Southeast Wyoming here this Friday. So right now I'm going to catch some of Kelly Walsh Central, some of East Natrona County should be Interesting, especially Kelly Walsh coming off 70 points. 70. Can you like 70 points in a high school football game? That's unbelievable. 10 touchdowns. Just incredible. Props, performance. props, props to their props to their kicker for going seven and seven on PATs, right? Ten for ten. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I did my math wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 10 for 10. That's what I meant. 10 touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. Cameron Burkett, big game catching the ball, two catches, 129 yards, two scores. Doesn't get doesn't get much better than that in terms of efficiency. I had someone I had someone ask me who my number one draft pick would be in fantasy football on the high school Wyoming prep ranks. And I no, Cameron Burkett was my number one choice. A solid Seems choice. Like he can, uh, if he gets the ball, good things happen. Definitely, definitely. So I'm excited to see him in person as well as NC against East. That'll be a good meeting of the minds, if you would, between Coach Steve Harshman, who's been in many state championship games, and Coach Chad Goff coming off a state championship win. Looking forward to those games. Looking forward to uh, Laramie on Saturday as well. So we'll wrap up the podcast here. Really appreciate everybody who's been listening, who's been subscribing, who's been sharing the pod. We just, we love doing this each week. Robert Robert and myself look forward to this each week. It's something that we can't wait to do. Can't wait to talk to different people and learn more. It's always about learning more. If you want to learn more about the pokes heading into this season, We've got a new 
Wild Sports podcast from Wild Sports beat writer Josh Criswell. He's going to be doing previewing the pokes every week heading into the UW football games. He's going to sit down with somebody new heading into each game. He's going to give some of his own thoughts as well. So check that out. That'll be coming out later this week. If you if you don't follow myself or Robert on Twitter, you can catch me at Mr. David Graff or Robert at our Munoz 307, holding it down for the Cowboys State, as always. He'll be holding it down all weekend. Really appreciate everybody once again for listening to the pod, sharing it, subscribing. means the world. Shout out to Shakewell for the music. We'll talk to you again next week. Shout out any suggestions, baby. Now 